You are listening to audio from Faith Church. If you are in the Seminole, St. Pete area, we would love for you to join us on a Sunday. To learn more, visit us at faithrs.org. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, grab that and let's go to the book of Proverbs together. Proverbs chapter 31 is where we'll begin our time together. And if you don't have a Bible on those tables in the back of the room, you should find stacks of Bibles back there, and we'd love to give you one. So you can grab one now, or you can grab one on your way out today. That's our gift to you. You can take a few of them if you need a few Bibles. And if you don't know your way around the Bible that well, we've put all of the verses that we're going to be studying together on the screen so you can track right along with us without any trouble at all. If you're willing and able, will you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? We stand every Sunday at this part of our service because we believe that we're about to hear from God Himself as we open His Word and as we read it together. So listen carefully to these words from Proverbs 31. Just a few highlights from this incredible chapter of Scripture. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her. And he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you, you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Recently we've been in this series of the book of Proverbs, which we've called The Art of Wise Living. And Proverbs is a collection of short, pithy sayings, authored largely by Solomon, who is a man of unparalleled wisdom. And in this book, Proverbs, Solomon takes this wisdom that he received from God and he passes it along to us if we are willing to listen to him and to learn from him. And what we've learned in this series is that wisdom is more than knowledge. Wisdom is living a certain way. Wisdom is more than brains. It's building a life that is pleasing to God. And really what we've done in this series is we've taken the 900 plus verses of Proverbs and we've organized or categorized them, if you will, trying to discern the defining marks of the wise person. And each week we've studied one of these marks. So, so far we've learned that the wise person, first and foremost, fears the Lord. This is the very beginning of wisdom, the very beginning of the wise life. This fear of the Lord, this affectionate reverence, the bowing of not just the head, but the bowing of the life before God. The wise person fears the Lord. Last week we learned that the wise person welcomes good counsel. He or she is teachable, perpetually open to instruction, but also selective when it comes to influences. Learning everything he can from the wise, but fleeing the fool. And today we'll see that the wise person has healthy relationships. Relationships are the stuff of life, aren't they? We all have relationships. We all need relationships. Our relationships can bring us great joy. And they can also bring us great frustration. The people closest to us is an interesting thing, isn't it? The people closest to us can bring out our worst side and our best side. 
They can bring out our Jekyll and our Hyde. Proverbs has a wealth of material on this subject of relationships. What does it mean to have healthy relationships in our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, you name it? Now, we can't possibly look at all of these in one message, so today we'll focus on healthy family relationships. And let me say this, if you're the type of person that's always sort of had your doubts about the Bible, why is it that Christians gather week after week after week and they open this book, this ancient book? Is it really relevant for today? Is it really helpful for people today? If you've ever had your doubts, today is the day for you. Because I believe whoever you are and whatever you're enduring in life, whatever your relationships look like, you will find Proverbs to be incredibly helpful. Some of you probably are struggling in your relationships, aren't you? We all have struggles. Some of you are single and you'd rather be married. But of course you want to make sure that you marry the right person. Others of you are married and frankly, you'd rather be single. Your marriage over the years has grown stale. And you don't really know what to do about it. Others of you are parents. And you're just exhausted. If I asked you to give me one word that describes you, you would just say, tired. Like, that's the word. Tired. I'm exhausted. Or maybe you would say, unappreciated. Or maybe you would say, irritated. Perhaps because you've hit a new stage in this venture we call parenting and, and you're just at a loss you don't know what to do whoever you are and whatever you're feeling i think you will find that proverbs can reinvigorate your relationships i want us to listen to solomon the wisdom that he shares today and i want us to think especially about husbands and wives what it means to have a healthy marriage and then parents and children what it means to have a healthy family Let's think first about husbands and wives. Solomon gives us several wise words for married couples, beginning with this one. Avoid immorality by setting boundaries. Look at this. Proverbs 5, verses 3 and 8. The lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house. Proverbs will speak again and again about this forbidden woman. And this is very simple to understand. Let me unpack it for you. This, the forbidden woman is any woman who's not your wife. The forbidden woman is any woman who is not your wife. That's what Proverbs means here. Of all the counsel that this book has for married couples, the primary counsel, especially for us men, not exclusively for men, but especially for men, is this first one. Avoid immorality by setting boundaries. We need boundaries in our life. Proverbs is a spicy book. You should read it with your spouse. There's some really good stuff in there. Proverbs calls us as men not just to be loyal to our spouse. Not just loyal, but impassioned. Desirous of her and her alone. But Proverbs is also very honest about temptation. And Solomon is quick to say that no one is immune to temptation. 
we will at times desire things that if we act on those desires, it will lead to destruction. It will lead us down a dangerous path. And part of us knows that. Part of us knows that if we go this route, it will lead to our destruction, the destruction of our family. And yet we still find ourselves desiring those things at times because we have sinful hearts. And so Solomon says what you need to do then is set boundaries so that desire and opportunity don't meet. He says don't go near the forbidden woman. Keep your way far from her. Don't go near the door of her house. Don't let desire and opportunity meet. So, fellows, we need some boundaries. And in our day, we need physical boundaries and digital boundaries. We need them both. Let me give you one of the physical boundaries that we've set. Jamie and I set this long ago, and you may think it's weird, and that's okay. Here's one of our physical boundaries. I don't ride in the car with another woman. Just don't do it. If it's a group of people, you know, the whole staff is going to lunch together, that's something different. But I don't ride in the car with an individual female unless she is my wife. And maybe you think that's old-fashioned or it's overkill or whatever, and that's fine. But let me tell you this. If I'm never alone with another woman, then desire and opportunity will never meet. They'll never meet. It really is that simple. So there's a physical boundary we've set. Now, digital boundaries, we need those too. Can I be honest with you and tell you that of, of all the years I've been in pastoral ministry and the couples that I've counseled over the years who have been devastated by unfaithfulness, almost all cases started digitally. Almost every single one of them started with text messages, flirtatious words, maybe then pictures, and eventually things got physical. But everything can be traced back to a digital encounter. So guys, let me be real honest with you. Your wife needs your password. She should have your password to your phone. She should have all your passwords. Jamie has all of mine. We use Covenant Eyes in our house, which is a software that you install on all your devices. And so once a week, Jamie gets a full report of every website I've been on. She gets screenshots. She sees it all. No digital dark secrets. Your marriage is worth it. Protect it. Protect it. So that's the first wise word that Solomon has, especially, not exclusively, but especially for us men. Don't go near the forbidden woman. Desire your wife. Your wife is your standard of beauty. Be faithful to her. Now, ladies, here's what Solomon says to you. Here's the second thing. Avoid the agony of a quarrelsome attitude. If Solomon's primary counsel for men has to do with boundaries, one of the primary pieces of counsel he gives to the ladies is about breaks. Breaks on your mouth. Look at what he says. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. <laughs> We got an amen in the back of the house. We'll maybe edit that out of the video. You know, we'll just cut that part out. It is better 
to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house here with a quarrelsome wife. Solomon says, just go to the roof, man. Just get up there, get out of the house if you have to. But, but notice the progression. Ten verses later, here's what he says. It's better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. So now he's saying, you know what? The roof just ain't far enough away, brother. Get out of town. Get out, go to the desert. Do what you got to do. Now listen, we joke and we laugh, but here's the reality. Ladies, listen to me. Your words... They are far more powerful than you realize. Solomon is saying that you have the power in your attitude and in your words to make or break your husband. To make him or break him. So I gotta ask you, how are you using your words? How are you speaking to your husband? Are you are you building him up? Are you tearing him down? Are you quarrelsome and quick-tempered? Are your lips always looking for a fight? Or, like the woman of Proverbs 31, do you you open your mouth and wisdom and kindness comes out? Let's go there next. Proverbs 31. Here's the third piece of wisdom of counsel for married couples. And this is for both the men and the women. Cultivate and appreciate the joys of a good marriage. Cultivate and appreciate the joys of a good marriage. In Proverbs 31, we get a glimpse, a sip, just a tiny sip of this fine wine that is a good marriage. Listen to this description. Not just of an excellent wife, but the whole whole family. An excellent wife who can find. She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. He praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. There seems to be a growing pessimism around the subject of marriage today. People are putting marriage off longer than we ever have compared to previous generations. Some people are just putting it off indefinitely thinking, you know what, it's just, it's not worth it. It's a straitjacket. Listen, Solomon will have none of that. Solomon goes so far as to say, he who finds a good wife finds favor from the Lord. Throughout the book of Proverbs, marriage is a good thing. It's a gift of God. And look at how The husband, the wife, are are treating each other in this passage. The husband is showing how much he values his wife. She is far more precious than jewels. She is far more precious than jewels. Her husband trusts in her. She is not doing him harm, but she's doing him good. She's serving him selflessly. And the husband is praising his wife. This is a relationship of deep trust, mutual appreciation, selfless service. Each spouse seeking the good of the other. And notice that all of this is founded on the fear of the Lord. 
There's that phrase again. It just continues to come up in Proverbs again and again. You see, if you are struggling in your marriage, if you would say, my marriage is more like a medicine that I have to take, a tasteless medicine that I have to take, much more so than it feels like a fine wine. It's, it's not something I'm enjoying. If that's where you are, the solution is not actually for you to start working on your relationship with each other. It's not where it begins. It begins with your relationship with God. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Are you truly bowing the life to the Lord? Are you following Him? Serving the Lord is the first step toward loving and serving your spouse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the fear of the Lord will reinvigorate your marriage. There is hope, and this is where you will find it. This is what Solomon says to husbands and to wives. Now I want us to think specifically about the relationship between parents and children. What wisdom can he share here? Several points. First, family is for spiritual formation. Proverbs teaches us the purpose of the family. Chapter 6, verses 20 to 22. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them on your heart always. Tie them around your neck. When you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you awake, they will talk with you. The purpose of the family is spiritual formation. The family is the divinely appointed small group discipleship program. The family is a place for worship and instruction in God's word and prayer and celebration of God's grace. So moms and dads, you are primarily responsible for your child's spiritual formation. That's what Proverbs is saying. Sure, the church is here to help you. You're not in this alone, but you have the primary responsibility. And this instruction, this teaching, this training, it can happen around the dinner table or the breakfast table. It can happen at bedtime. It can be as simple as reading a passage of Scripture and praying together before bed at night. But you know what? Oftentimes, this training happens when we're not expecting it. It's unplanned. It's unscripted. If your children are like mine, they ask tons of questions. So many questions. And those questions just come out of nowhere. You're not expecting them. You haven't written out your scripts. You're not ready for it. My boys ask all kinds of questions. How do airplanes work? Why does Donald Duck wear a tie but no pants? What are these McNuggets made out of? Nobody knows. It's one of life's mysteries. Sometimes they ask serious questions. If Jesus was crucified on Friday and he was raised on Sunday, where was he and what was he doing on Saturday? That's a good question. But here's the thing. Every inquiry is an opportunity to train a child. Never dismiss a child's question. Every inquiry is an opportunity to train that child in the ways of the Lord. 
And that brings us to the next, the next thing that we learn about, about parents and children, and that is that parents share the responsibilities of instruction and discipline. Moms and dads have these responsibilities. Proverbs 22.6, one of the most famous verses, but also one of the mis- most misunderstood verses of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And misreadings of this verse have caused much guilt in parents. Maybe you're a parent and you have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. And you read this verse and you, and you read it and you say, Well, did, did I not train up my child? Because he... He has departed from it. She has departed from it. She's not walking with the Lord right now. Is it my fault? Did I fail my child? And maybe you're sensing that, that guilt this morning. But listen, you must understand that the Proverbs, each proverb is like a facet in a multifaceted gem. And so to get the whole picture, what we need to do is bring the other Proverbs in. And then we can see the whole gem, the whole picture together. So the whole picture of Proverbs is that, yes, parents have the responsibility of instruction, but also children must make decisions. Proverbs is very clear. that If you decide to walk with the wise, you will grow in wisdom. But if you decide to walk with the fools, you will grow in folly. So we have to bring the various Proverbs together to get the full picture here. Parents have the responsibility of instruction, but also discipline. Do you see that here? Chapter 13, verse 24, Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. As I was studying Proverbs this week, I kind of had a light bulb moment. I want to share this with you. I saw something that I had never seen before, at least not that I remember seeing. Countless times in the book of Proverbs, we are called to discipline our children. Countless times. But not once does Proverbs speak of the punishment of our children. Not once. In our parenting We need to make a distinction between discipline and punishment. And this this light bulb moment has sort of changed the vocabulary in the way Jamie and I are parenting. We're thinking through this because we had kind of gotten into the habit, me especially, of saying, boys, you did this or that, go to your room while I think about your punishment. The Proverbs doesn't talk about punishment. It talks a lot about discipline. You see, we're called to discipline our children like God disciplines us. Hang with me on this. It's important. God doesn't punish us as His children. God is never angry or wrathful toward us as His children because His wrath, His holy anger was poured out on Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the beauty of the good news of Christianity. God is never wrathful toward you. Never. But God does at times discipline His children. It's not retribution It's formative intervention. God looks to you as his child and he says, You are my child. I love you. But you have erred. You're going down a dangerous path. And so I'm going to intervene to correct that path, to bring you back. I'm doing it because I love you as my child. That's how God disciplines us. 
And that's how we're called to discipline our children. So you see, when we understand that, we understand that every moment of discipline is an opportunity for a gospel conversation. It's an opportunity for a gospel conversation with our children, with our grandchildren. And that means that every moment of discipline should have three things. It should have directness. Son, what you did was wrong. There are standards of right and wrong. What you did was wrong. There needs to be directness, but there needs to also be gentleness. Son, what you did was wrong. And you know what? I too have made mistakes. We're in this together, you and I. And there is nothing you could ever do or fail to do that will change my love for you. Directness, gentleness, and most importantly, a pronouncement of forgiveness. Son, what you did was wrong. There are standards. It was wrong. I, too, have made mistakes. We're in this together. And aren't you glad that there is forgiveness of sin in Jesus? There will be no punishment for you because Jesus has taken the punishment. There will be some correction. There will be some discipline, some formative intervention, some consequences, but not punishment. Because Jesus took care of that. Praise God that Jesus took care of that. Every moment of discipline is an opportunity for a gospel conversation. Because you see, what we're trying to do is we're not trying to just change our children's behaviors. It's not about behavior modification. It's about heart transformation. And the only thing that has the power to change the heart is the gospel. Parents, you need the gospel and your children need the gospel. We all need it. So we are responsible for instruction and for discipline. Here's the next Word of wisdom from Solomon. Parents should model their message. Model the message. The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. Think back to the wisdom pyramid for just a minute, parents. Now let me ask you this. Let's take just the foundation, the scriptures, and let's take that use sparingly peak, the internet and social media. Parents, grandparents, do your children, do your grandchildren see you studying scripture? Or do they see you only playing on social media? They're watching you. More than you realize. They will learn not just from your words, but from your ways. Christian Smith is a name many of you will know. We use his research a lot around here. He's a sociologist, a professor at the University of Notre Dame. At the end of 2019, he wrote a book called Religious Parenting. He was seeking to discern the various influences. How are children, young people, teenagers influenced today? I want you to listen to what he says. It's a short quote, but this is really, really important. Parents, listen. Christian Smith says, The single most powerful causal influence on the religious lives of American teenagers and young adults is the religious lives of their parents. The single most powerful influence. Not their peers, not the media, not their youth group leaders, not their pastors, nor their religious school teachers. Myriad studies show that beyond a doubt, the parents play the leading role in shaping the character of their religious and spiritual lives, even well after they leave home. Parents, never underestimate your role. Your children are watching you. 
What are you modeling for them? Men, do they see you honoring your wife? Do they see you respecting her? Ladies, how do they hear you speaking to your husband? We're called to model our message. And here's one more. Children, now it's your turn. Children should respect the teaching of their parents. Plain and simple. Listen to your father who gave you life. You wouldn't be here if not for him. Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Children, whatever your age, the scriptures are clear. Respect your parents. Listen to their instruction. They love you. They love you and they want God's best for you. I want to close with this. I think the relationship between parents and children will be best when we understand that as parents, the goal of our parenting never changes. But there will be different stages of parenting that we will go through. The goal of parenting is always the same. It is always sending. That's what parenting is all about. The goal of your parenting and mine is sending our children out into the world as faithful followers of Jesus. That's the goal. But we will go through many stages in our parenting. We will always instruct, but the way we instruct, it needs to change. It needs to evolve as our children change. Basically, there are four stages of parenting. The first one we could call the guarding Stage. Roughly speaking, this is ages one to five. In the guarding stage, when our children are very young, our instruction is pretty simple, pretty straightforward. They're brand new to this big world and all of its joys and all of its dangers. So we can be very simple, very straightforward with our instruction. One bite at a time. Don't bite your brother. Don't bite the cat. Very basic stuff, right? We spend most of our time focusing on what to do and what not to do. But as our children grow, and as we enter the second stage, training, roughly ages 5 to 12, we need now to get to the why behind the what. Our children will have more and more questions. And we need to have more and more explanation. Both of our boys are in this training stage right now. So let me give you an example from our family. We've had many opportunities here lately to talk about the importance of truth-telling. Now, I could say, boys, don't tell lies. But if I leave it there, I haven't yet gotten to the why behind the what. So what I need to say is, boys, don't tell lies because relationships are built on trust. And lying breaks trust. Therefore, lying breaks the relationship. That's why this is such a serious deal. We get to the why behind the what. Now, the third stage of parenting we could call coaching, ages 12 to 18. This is the age that most parents fear. Maybe you're having nightmares about it already. Let me just say to you, don't panic. Continually remind yourself that the middle school, the high school years, this is a stage of life that God himself ordained. He created us in such a way that every single one of us goes through this stage of life. It's part of his good plan. Don't panic. 
But the way we train our children will need to change. At this stage, our training should look more like two-way conversations. We should connect with our children more than we correct them. Now listen, that doesn't mean that discipline stops. It doesn't mean that discipline stops. Like a good coach, we're not afraid to yank a player off the field and put his butt on the bench at times. But instruction looks very different. We're making some space for natural consequences. We're making some space for decision-making. Preparing for the day when our children will go out into this great big world without mom and dad at their side. And then the final stage of parenting is the befriending stage. It's the friendship stage. This is when we have sense our children out, hopefully, prayerfully, to live as faithful followers of Jesus. Instruction continues, but now it looks a lot more like one friend sitting down with another friend and sharing some wisdom, some wisdom he or she has learned over the years. Now listen to me, this is important. In my experience, most parents who are never able to enjoy the friendship stage with their children, it's because either they were far too passive in the early stages of parenting or far too aggressive in the latter stages. Parents, the goal never changes. Sending. Sending our children out into the world as faithful followers of Jesus. That's the goal. That's what we're aiming for. But the way we instruct and interact with our children, it will change over the years. Here's my final word for you, parents. Remember this. You have only one unique role, and it's your role at home. You have only one unique role, and it's your role at home. It doesn't matter who you are or how talented you are at work. One day, someone will come along who can do that job at work better than you. Same is true with me. Someday, someone else will pastor Faith Community Church. Someday, someone else will lead church planting in Florida and the Caribbean. It ain't going to be me. Those are my roles now, but they will not be my roles forever. There's only one unique role I have. It's my role at home. Nobody else can be a father to Aiden and Cullen Thornton. Nobody else can be a husband to Jamie. Men, women, remember, your unique role is your role at home. Prioritize your marriage. Prioritize your family. Look, we all have failures. We've all made mistakes. I know I have. There are days and seasons that I wish I could get back. There were times where I've been impatient. Times that I've said things that I know I shouldn't have said. And I suspect you can relate to that in your relationships. But here's the beautiful thing about the gospel. We have forgiveness. You're not defined by your parenting failures. You're not defined by your marriage failures. You're not defined by any of your failures. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in Him and what He did for sinners, then when God looks at you, He sees the righteousness of Jesus. He does not see your parenting failures or your marriage failures. That's the good news of the gospel. So look to Jesus. Because Jesus brings forgiveness. New life and hope. I want to pray for you. Father, I, I pray for every family that is represented in this room today. I pray for the husbands that you will help us
love our wives as you, Lord Jesus, love the church. And that means sacrifice. It means that we show our strength by sacrifice. I pray for all of the wives in the room. I'm sure some of them are struggling right now because Mother's Day, on the one hand, can be a a wonderful day of celebration. But for others, there's so many other emotions that are just rushing in right now. Maybe there are some women here today who want so desperately want to be mothers and, and they just can't right now. Maybe there are some who have prodigal children and they feel like failures. Oh God, comfort them with your grace, with your mercy. I pray that all of the women, all of the wives in this room listening online, that they would would understand the power of their words, especially toward their husbands and toward their families. They have the power to make or to break. So help them to speak with wisdom and kindness. For the parents and the grandparents, it's a complicated world we live in today. So many challenges that generations before us weren't then able to dreamed of them. We so desperately need wisdom, God. And we know you tell us in your word that we lack wisdom, but if we ask for it, you will provide it. So I pray now for wisdom for every parent and grandparent. And for the children, whatever age they are, whatever stage of parenting a family might be going through, I pray for your grace, your love, forgiveness. May our homes be places where we put the gospel on display. And the way we treat each other and the way we discipline our children and the way we live life every day, the big things and the small things. For families that need healing, God, I pray that you would heal. For families that need direction, God, I pray that you would give wisdom, clarity. Keep us focused on the cross, focused on the good news of the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said.